Welcome to The Sheeple Show. This is the podcast where we try and understand what is actually going on in the world. My name is Andy Marley. And I'm Matt Smith, although you probably know a much more famous version. Let's do this. <laughs> I thought you were going to stay quiet for ages then. <laughs> Damn it, it's broke again. Yeah, I thought you were, so I had to interrupt you with this laugh. So if you laugh and there's no noise, I know there's a problem. That is actually a really good way of, uh, of doing that. Well, it's the only human way we have with the machines. <laughs> the human way. <laughs> the human way. Yes. That's what we are. We are humans. Indeed. We'll be the jesters to the machine lord. Think about that. I could do that, actually. Yeah, we can't, we, can't, we can't be having this conversation this week. We can always have this one. Because it, it, it's episode 22, not episode 23. Oh, yeah. Still got two. Two and two <laughs> is four. That's next week, so minus one. 23. We've got to be 22. It could be 24. But episode 23 is about AI, so... We, that's different. I'm just talking about the machine over overlord, grand sovereign <laughs> mechanical beings that will one day make you into clockwork. <laughs> Everything will be clockwork. I could be a steampunk Andy. I'm well up for that. Exactly. My mohawk will just be one massive cog that sticks out the top of my head. You could have glasses that have like telescopic lenses. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, an old ship ship spray-painted onto the side. (laughs) You know, standard glasses thing. Zoom in, zoom out. Form a tank. Yeah, yeah, form a tank. Yeah, why not? (laughs) Technology, mate, can do anything if you put your mind to it. That would be amazing. So what for that? Steampunk Andy. And if you've got a friend who's got the same glasses, you can do the form of, shape of, and then... I don't know, make a Gundam or something. <laughs> Save the universe, like Pacific Rim. Oh, what a great film. It was a lot of good fan service. One of Official my, my favourite like, comments about Pacific Rim that I ever heard was it's either the greatest dumb movie ever made or the dumbest great movie ever made. Yeah, it's kind of... So I true. Mean, the closer it tilts to average, the worse it is. So, like, the fact that it leaves a mark is generally a good thing. And visually, it was stunning. But then the actors trying to carry this ludicrously outrageous plot. <laughs> and they really tried hard, blessed. And Idris Elba's speech. Yeah. That speech, that, that speech is just as rousing as Bill Paul. Like sometimes the plot is just a giant mech fight. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> what more do you need sometimes the plot just is Godzilla that's why those more right. recent ones have been better because yeah. he's the character not the people exactly yeah, just, yeah. what more do you need giant robot shit fighting giant monsters man. yeah have we seen Godzilla vs Kong yet no very good 
I'll probably end up marathoning them all with the yeah, my, my most recent one was Skull Island in the universe. Yeah, that's so what I was really gonna say. It. If you're gonna watch it, watch all of them. Starting with Skull Island. Watch Skull Island first. Yeah, I enjoyed uh, Skull Island. Yeah. Skull Christ. Island, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Godzilla vs. Kong. Very good. I'll probably have that marathon coming up. I've done that. I did that marathon recently, actually. That would be a good one. I think we did it over two days. I can see myself eating a lot of popcorn. Sitting there, like, watching all of them battle each other. I've got a week off work next week, so it'll probably get done in one of those days. Be interesting. On Monday, probably Monday, actually, because I'm going to go and get my yeah, I'm gonna get my booster on Monday. So then when I come back, I'll just... Are you going to become a gun damn by getting your own booster to fly into space? To <laughs> <in the air? laughs> I love, well, I say I'm going to get my booster, the first thing you think of is getting a rocket pack installed. Yeah. You're not, are you? I'm not, no. No, I'm talking booster jab. Well, my version was more interesting. Yours was more interesting, and to be honest, I probably prefer that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not forget, I walk with. I, I use a walking stick. I need a walking stick for to now. Rocket back. You just wait. Eventually, there'll be a drinking glass that transforms you into another dimension. So all of a sudden, <laughs> you don't need to walk anymore. Then, then who's the stupid people? Yeah, us who've been training to walk. It could There's all somebody, change on its head at any point. Somebody the other day stopped me in the street. When I was on my way to work. They stopped me in the street and went. Can I have gone your walking stick? <laughs> Random fucking stranger. No. This isn't, like, why do you think I have this? <laughs> what did you even hope to achieve by having a go on the walking stick? I would go on your walking stick. <laughs> I do go to old people. Oh, can I can have a go on your Zimmer frame. <laughs> I need it to walk. On that day, I was in a lot of pain as well. I actually need it to stand at the moment. <laughs> do you think anyone ever, like, you know, when Stephen Hawking was around, do you think anyone was like, oh, Steve, let me use the chair. Go on. <laughs> Just once. I'll fucking... Who was it? Um, I want to say it's Ricky Gervais, but I don't think it was, who was playing around with his voice box. I don't know, a few people have done that because they were able to reproduce it, weren't they? Yeah. Somebody played a prank on him that I think they changed the voice. Yeah. Well, I know that because when the technology started getting better, it was a few years before he died, and they said, look, we can actually copy your actual voice, so now we can hear it, like you can use your actual voice. Instead of this like monotone robotic voice, and he was like, "No, this is this is me now. <laughs> it's like this is my voice." Yeah, exactly. What make it even more greater of a detachment, you know? And you know, every time he turned up on The Simpsons, um, Live Time, Stephen, that was actually him. They didn't just use a voice replicator. He actually went into the studios and did it himself. Good. That's the kind of stuff that's you know heartwarming, <laughs> nice to hear when. These sort of larger it's a gym. Stephen King had ripple effects. Yeah, Stephen Hawking was a G, man. It's good. I do think that chair would be fun, though. <laughs> <laughs> you would, wouldn't you? You would. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, get a go. But, yeah, 
yeah, just this year. Exoskeleton to, to be a thing soon, you know, when it comes to carrying like crates of stuff instead of having to use pallet trucks, they'll be like, here, just, you know, go get one of the exosuits. What was one. that? Just strap what? it on and now you can lift a hundred thousand pounds more. There was that dodgy Matt Damon film where we had an exoskeleton, it was Elysium. Yeah. That's kind of practical, though, like, uh, you know, the idea of a work exoskeleton to lift and move things is already there, you know what I mean? It's just making sure that it doesn't falter at any point, because if it does, then the thing squashes you and you die. You don't want to do that. No, I mean, squashed, that's never a good way to go. No, not at all. In any context, you know. Even playing the sport, I do not want to get hit by a ball that fast. <laughs> oh, mate, I've had a cricket ball to the bonds, man. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> <That> explains <laughs> a lot. <laughs> can, you see, can you still see? But yeah, I, I've had a full-on cricket ball to the head. It was fucking... Those things are like... Hey! <laughs> I getting hit in the uh, sternum with a cricket ball one sitting there and having to go and throw up because it just jilted me so much it was so bad i was no, obviously not me unconscious but i was out. i wasn't out for long but i was out yeah. the guy threw it bless him he felt so bad because it was just it was just an accident yeah, but so uh, it wasn't somebody perhaps went gonna get in <laughs> i wonder whose idea it was when they were constructing the game of cricket to go no the ball must be heavy what do you mean? Heavy enough to hurt you. Why? So that catching it is more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we need the ball. It needs to be fucking red. And it needs to be the hardest ball known to man. To the point that when, you know, when you hit it with the wooden bat, sometimes there are sparks. <laughs> It's sometimes cracks on the bat and chips. Oh, my God. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. Cricket balls are just stupid. Suddenly the armour doesn't seem so ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> you should not feel sorry for the wicketkeeper, because he's fucking face height with that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Helmet or not, you're still taking a good donk. Yeah. You see just batters just panicking. <laughs> The worst part is, rock just flying at your even face. if it hits the wicket and you don't necessarily have to catch it, it's still coming straight for you, and now the wickets are too. <laughs> uh, did you ever watch um, League of Their Own? Uh, well, I've seen it. I've never watched it long, the, like, consistently. The, like, sports comedy panel quiz show thing with... Um, Annoyance number one and annoyance number two, and Freddie Flintoff. Yeah. Yeah, so it's James Corden is annoyance number one, and Jack Whitehall is annoyance number two. Jack Whitehall makes me laugh. Dan Dean To be fair, there was one joke by Jack Whitehall that I found absolutely hilarious, and that's he was talking about going to the gym, and he refers to the cross trainer as the Morris dancing machine. <laughs> Yeah. That's brilliant. That is brilliant. There's a lot of unexpected comedy out there. I find Every... the ones that can deliver the funny stories with a dry, straight face and then sort of eventually over time they'll crack under their own jokes. <laughs> and then everyone else does as well. Yeah, like so, uh, 
Gervais is amazing. He's so good. But, uh, but yeah, so on A League of Their Own, um, Freddie Flintoff, you get the impression he doesn't like Jack Whitehall. And obviously they were the regulars on there. And um, throughout, like, Whitehall would take as much opportunity as he could to take the piss out of Flintoff. And then they did this game where they had Jack Whitehall tied to a spinning disc. And they gave Freddie Flintoff cricket balls to throw at the disc. Sounds painful. And for those of you listening who don't know who Freddie Flintoff is, his real name is actually Andrew Flintoff. And he is one of the hardest, fastest, and best bowlers English cricket has ever thrown out. This guy, like, his throw, like, I can't remember the exact power, but like, he basically, the guy can throw a ball faster than any fucking car you can't you can imagine it's ridiculous like he had the power that and this was when he started boxing as well so he's got even more power behind him and you could see he was enjoying it so much just throwing cricket balls full pelt to Jack Whitehall yeah which it sounds very therapeutic well I mean if someone's earned it then it's a bit different it kind of depends you know who would you see. who would you like to sort of have tied up and throw cricket balls at? Um I mean someone ridiculous. Like a human being that's just ridiculous. <laughs> like like, like Boris just... Johnson, for example. It's <laughs> like ridiculous. Maybe not him personally. Oh, maybe Boris. Yeah, Boris. <laughs> I'd have to make it public, though. If it was private, it wouldn't have the same satisfaction. Cause, There'll be a cute. Um, it's just like you can hit... He's hit himself with the wall so many times <laughs> and come out the other side. <laughs> you could hit him with cricket balls as hard as you want and he'd just sort of laugh at you. Yeah. You couldn't mess up his hair anymore. He's probably he's got enough to, sort he went, of... He went to Eton, didn't he? He's probably been... That reminds me of a question. I meant to ask this, like, how many weeks ago? Two weeks ago, when we did did the Ghost and Spirits episode, there was a question I wanted to ask you, but I completely forgot. So let's say, right, 100%, and anybody listening, if you want to join in, like, go on the Facebook page and answer this question. So let's say, if we know 100% as a fact that ghosts haunt the place that they died right let's pretend that that's a real thing and we know that for a fact which celebrity would you kill in your living room to have them haunt you forever i don't know i'd probably end up making friends with someone like ricky gervais or russell brand and having them just come there to die when they're ready kind of thing and then (laughs) all of a sudden they're like you're right mate yeah mate how you doing mate yeah, you know, dead. For me, <laughs> if we go with the comedy route, I think having Johnny Vegas haunt your front room oh, would be amazing. Because the thing but, about hauntings, right, is you've got to think about how malicious those people are at heart. Because someone like Johnny can be, if he doesn't like you or if you've upset him, he can make your life hell. Just in that <laughs> case, you settle to, down. He's like, you're right. So stop getting yourself a celebrity poltergeist. You need somebody who's pretty zen, 
someone who's like you know, can forgive easily, somebody who's yeah. very well centered and much into well being. But also, if you're going to be haunted by this person every single day that you go into your living room, they're going to be there. So you're going to need somebody who is going, who you're going to accept, and is going to accept you as well, because it's going to be. A... You don't have a choice. You either make it work or you go mad. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. Oh. Can you imagine? having a really shit day at work, oh, fucking done with this, walking home, and then you've got the ghost of McConaughey. Hey, man, how's it going? Yeah, but I could just imagine yeah, like, everything going horribly wrong and him smooth-talking his way out of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you wouldn't be able to kill him, would you? You know, you put, like, the stove on and then you nip yeah. to the corner shop quickly, you come back, and suddenly the half the kitchen's on fire, and it's just like, hey, man, hey, man. no, no, this was this. Yeah. <laughs> happened, dude, you know what I'm saying? You're just like, yeah, but couldn't you, you know? He's like, I'm a ghost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, my Not very be, useful. You just won't be able to kill him. Because like, I'm sorry, Matt, take your shirt off. He's a ghost, though. Look at that. Yeah, comes he's into still going to have the ripping abs. Yeah, but yeah. depending on how, you know, this incident occurred that made him a ghost uh, the key word being death well yeah but you're does, killing does, does the ghost take you're on too. the form of the not dead version or the post dead version see it said well, if I was going to if I was going to kill Henry Cavill I'd poison him so that that body does not get harmed yeah but what if he came back like purple and like his eyeballs is melted and shit still Henry Cavill though yeah So, I still don't think Henry Cavill's real. Don't think he's real. Where do you think he came from? It was created by the Illuminati to make straight men gay. That's interesting thought. I mean, he's definitely charismatic. And beautiful. He's a beautiful... Well, yeah, that's kind of a given, but, you know. And he's so cool, and he's normalising geekery. Like, you can't get any better. Yeah, always so- He's normalising D&D, isn't he? Yeah, I know. That's cool. So, and Warhammer. And Warcraft. And The Witch. And all these other cool things. Henry Cavill's just amazing. Anyway, enough of my man crush. I love him. Before we do the uh, weekly roundup, I've got an update on a story that we had in a previous weekly roundup which I, I I could check my notes in front of me. I think it was last week. Beep, beep. Might have been the week before. It's like a mini one, but it's not a real one. Um, it's from... Oh, my God, when did we do this? Back in eons past, when legends were told of the sunken sky. Uh, ah, it was from when we did the pre-Ice Age Civilization episode. So it was three weeks ago. Uh, got an update from a story from three weeks ago, which we said we were going to keep track of this and give it any updates. It's the guy who had the um, heart transplant, the pig heart. Oh, yeah. Uh, I read the update today on, what's today's date? 20, oh, it's the 3rd of Feb. So the 3rd of February. I read the update this morning. 
and everything is working perfectly. Good. It's it's worked. It's happened. Again, it's amazing. The moment you accept that it's worked, it's doomed to fail. So you always have to look at it as a pending thing. Like as long as that guy is alive, it's going to be a constant sort of. You're right, mate. Because <laughs> well, he's well, yeah, he's patient zero, and he's the first one. Oh, exactly. But it's doing so many amazing things. Yeah, the, it's yeah. It's beaten normally. Um, everything's fine. He's alive. He's healthy. He's fit. It's it's great. It's incredible. So, yeah. Science, but now you know the ethics. We can make a heart. We can make bones. We can because make blood. that that pig had to be genetically modified. Oh yeah. So yeah, we're really going to the ethics side of things. It's interesting. There's a whole barrel of discussions you can talk about it in good context bad context which we probably will because we have got in five weeks we're doing an episode all about ethics oh i like those so uh, yeah we'll probably talk about that then (laughs) but without further ado i thought i missed the button then but i didn't it's good okay so are you ready for the weekly roundup I hope you are because I pressed the button now, so you have to. Right, so our first story, Mr. Smith. This this week is the first two stories. It's a sort of like a shit celebrity roundup. All the celebrities. Because it involves sort of shit celebrities. Okay, how shit are we talking? We almost. Very leaks of shit. We've very almost had a, um, a story about Jedwood, but I managed to find something to replace that one with. Been a dry week then. So yeah, you can thank me later. But this one is something I've mentioned a few times on this podcast, and regular listeners will know that I dislike this person heavily. Yori Geller. Oh, the magic man. Yeah. Doesn't do magic. So Yuri Geller has warned NASA to prepare for alien invasion. How do you know you? So basically, what's happened is Yuri Geller um, has read a story um, about so basically scientists found this massive energy source four thousand light years away. Right, that's true. That is true. That has happened. And Yuri Geller... I doubt that, but a massive energy source is literally just a massive energy source. It doesn't mean shit yet. Yeah. So, Yuri Geller has said that it's actually chit-chat of superior beings from outer space, and they're planning to invade. So he announced this on the most holy of platforms, Instagram, because of course he did. Yeah, yeah. He said, this is a direct quote, a team mapping radio waves in the universe has discovered something unusual that releases a giant burst of energy three times an hour, and it's unlike anything astronomers have seen before. No doubt in my mind that this is connected to alien intelligence way, way superior than ours. Start deciphering their messages. They are preparing us for a mass landing soon. 
and he did hashtag NASA, hashtag Hoover, hashtag Spectra twice for some reason, and so, hashtag aliens. I definitely agree that it's something worth looking at and paying attention to. And yep. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. But I do not think for a second that you can immediately jump to aliens just from that. Like, we could be... Like, the universe is how old? Do you even have a number? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Can you even fathom in our teeny human brain with our teeny concept of small-scale time, how long the universe has actually been around. Exactly. Now, we science... haven't seen shit. Yeah. <laughs> the scientists that are actually looking into this and actually dealing with it instead of they just... got to wear sunglasses. <laughs> They've got to wear sunglasses. <laughs> I sounded a bit like Trump then. They're the most beautiful sunglasses in the world. Yeah, so um, scientists, they they have said they've never seen anything like this before. It's a new phenomenon to them. So they believe that it could actually be a neutron star or a white dwarf, which is where the core of the star collapsed. I know you know that. I didn't until I read it. Well, that's part of the whole births and deaths of galaxies. We've likely never seen one and we'll never see another one. Yeah, so what they actually think it is, is a magnetar. That's a cool name. It's a great name. And that is a white dwarf with an ultra-powerful magnetic field. That's dangerous, considering how reliant we are on technology. We were to get hit by anything naughty like that. Well, this is, what is it, 40,000 light years away, was it? Uh, Where's it gone? 4,000 light years away, so it's, you know, it's not really anywhere near us. But uh, Dr. Natasha Hurley-Walker, who is an astrofisherman. Astrofisherman. We catch space fish. (laughs) (laughs) She's an astrofisherman. Only the finest Arctic whales here, lad. Found this one top side of the moon. So yeah, Dr. Natasha Hurley-Walker from Curtin University in Australia. Uh, she has said, this object was appearing and disappearing over a few hours during our observations. That was completely unexpected. It was kind of spooky for an astronomer because there's nothing known in the sky that does that. Um, well, she says, it's, I said it's far away because it's 4,000 light years away, but she says it's really quite close to us. Uh, about 4,000 light years away is now a galactic backyard. Yeah. Um, and she believes that it's an ultra-long period of magnetar. It's a type of slowly spinning neutron star that has been predicted to exist, theoretically. So they're all really excited about it. Did you ever see in Family Guy, they did like a sequel of Speed, like Speed 3. And it was like... a climate control and it had the glaciers moving at like <laughs> if we don't get in front of these glaciers and stop them moving more than one centimeter a year we're all gonna die in 50 years <laughs> do remember that i do like we every, anything we thought about the end of the universe or the end of the world or the end of planet or whatever else galactic wise it's not gonna be a bang it's gonna be a whimper yes it's just gonna fizzle out and cease to be yeah yeah of course 
definitely. Running ahead for that kind of stuff is smart, but that constant sort of more, 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 more demand and capitalist sort of notions of supply and whatever just get in the way because then, you know, when these waves get 2,000 light years away and suddenly we're like, oh, yeah, maybe we should have done something about it. Oh, but it's too late now. Oh, shit. What do we do? Cover it up. (laughs) It's embarrassing. (laughs) We were shit at science. Some other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Literally, the plot of Don't Look Up. Better still, replace still, Meteor with any other galactic crisis. Still not seen it yet. Still not seen it. It's good. Uh, I'll get around to it. But shit celebrity story number two. Oh, they see. I knew I was going to mess it up. There we go. I got the right button. Yay, button. <clears throat> so, do you remember? Daniela Westbrook. Yeah. So, Daniela Westbrook, obviously she was famous for playing, I know it's on here somewhere, Sam Mitchell. Sam, yeah, in EastEnders. Um, so, Sam Mitchell's making a return to EastEnders, but it's not Daniela Westbrook playing her. Yeah, it's the, well, it's someone else who's played the same character when yeah, there was Kim, trouble. Kim Medkoff. Yeah. This show is so many years old now. Like 40 years old. (laughs) A bit more than that, I think. I thought it started in the 80s. Yeah. I was born in 1982 and I'm 40 this year. When you consider that it's a TV show and the passage of time compared to the real passage of time aren't the same and people live and die and come back and have affairs and then come back as adults 10 years later, even though that's been 20 years or whatever else, you know, and it all ends <laughs> up a bit backwards or sideways and the power they've got to do these infinite stories, you can't watch it consistently. No, and plus it's fucking depressing. <laughs> Well, yeah, the storylines are always a bit miserable. But then how do you make a good soap storyline? That's kind of the thing. The whole point of soaps is drama. So you're kind of... You ever watch Dark Shadows? That's how you do a good soap opera. That's Vampire. different, though. Yeah, that's... <laughs> you, Not you the film. The, the Johnny there. Depp film was entertaining. It was all right. But the original show was fucking vampires, and they were all just living in Wolford, going to the vacant shit. I'd be like, wait, what? (laughs) What do they do when the postman comes? Oh. That would be amazing, actually. But yeah, so uh, so yeah, the story isn't just about the fact that somebody else is playing this character. So uh, Daniela Westbrook has turned to witchcraft for revenge. Well, that's a very petty thing to do. I say revenge. I don't actually know why. It's just weird. <laughs> All right. Well, if you no, say she, revenge, she's... then it's, it's not the greatest yeah, reason to do it. I don't know what she's... Obviously, I know quite a lot about witchcraft and about these things. From what it says in this article, I don't know what she's trying to do. But, uh, but yeah, she's she's been performing rituals and spells days after sharing her frustration about being replaced on these tenders. Uh, so, she's just mad. so she recently took to social media to tell fans that she was performing rituals and spells and she shared footage on her Instagram account. Uh, she said, shared two posts on Instagram, which appeared to show preparations for the ritual with crystals and stones uh, laid out on a tray. And the clips were posted on her Instagram story 
also showed a set of magical spell candles, which are oh, that's actually a real thing. <laughs> Stones and candles, though. I mean, okay, I get it. It falls under the umbrella category of magic, but they're weaponizing it to call her a witch kind of thing. So yeah. the press hates her and whatever else. When in reality, she's just doing what she wants to do. Like who? Who gives a shit? Everyone's got their own sort of internal activity that they have to yeah. do to sort of feel. But yeah, uh, yeah, the post. Yeah, I mean, vilify we... that by putting it under this moniker, making yeah, it terror. When we did when we did our episode on the Acorn, I, I was quite open about my own practices, and um, yeah, well, I, I do stuff like this. It's just it's different. I do a different style to, like, say, I can't work out what school she's going to, what she's doing. I think um, there's a certain. Uh, element of luck in science and vice versa and that luck can be translated as magic in ways that you can provoke it or make it your own or do whatever else there is no what i'm trying to say is there is no scientific explanation for it and that's exactly why it's seen as the occult but it doesn't mean it can't be in harmony they can't you know you don't have to refute science entirely to go do a bit of magic you know and vice versa Oh no, uh, yeah. mum and dad, I'm going to play magic on a Wednesday night. Oh, <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, I've got to do the whole renouncing science thing. <laughs> yeah, she captioned the post, new moon rituals, spells and truths to tell. And she had the song Just Like Magic by Ariana Grande in the background. And this is one of those like ridiculous fucking articles where they have basically to, a crime they mentioned how old Ariana Grande is it's like that you don't need to do that at all well to be fair like I thought I mean it was only however long ago I remember seeing her as the new girl in the Disney Plus shows and now she's all grown up and it's like Miranda Cosgrove in fucking School of Rock yeah I mean she she's the same but she's grown up and you're like this is has that much time really passed? Have I aged this way too? <laughs> uh, she's just crying for help. Not in like a, I hope not in a desperate or a bad way, just in a way that wants yours to connect with fans or whatever. There's not really much else to it. Yeah, apparently she's thre- uh, threatened the BBC with um, legal action as well. Oh, right. So, you know, the BBC being part of Murdoch's network, who've then realised that she's got dirt on them, have decided to try and destroy her by calling her a witch, because that always used to work <laughs> in the past, where Murdoch was, you know, big. Yeah. Back it. in the old days of the 18th century. But as, as you were you were implying earlier... Like, just because she's doing witchcraft doesn't mean she's putting curses on people. Doesn't, maybe she is just doing this as a way to center herself. It really doesn't matter. What, why she, it's like she's asking me why. If I'm really stressed. I could call it magic and all of a sudden give it a sinister implication. Like, you don't have yeah. to do that. If I'm really stressed, I'm a really bad day, I'm just really pissed off or, like, down or whatever, there's a ritual that I do to Everyone's bring myself back up. And yeah, this is an actual. It's from a grimoire from the from the thirteen fifteen hundreds. Oh, that's years. Yeah. Um, not fifteen hundreds at all. No, it's from it's from the sixteen hundreds. It's from the time of Elizabeth I. Oh, a hundred years different. It's still fucking old. 
Yeah, still fucking old. Yeah, yeah. It's from the, it's from the reign of Elizabeth I because it was done. It was a contemporary of John D. How old was she when it rained this particular time? No idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so this grimoire I've got is there's a ritual in there that I do to sort of bring myself back to being me when I'm feeling down. So, you know, I um, mean, I could inquire about the ritual, but, you know, it's the kind of thing where if you want to tell people, you kind of will. So it's there. It involves, it involves candles, magic spell candles. It involves candles and burning herbs. Because so it's aromatherapy. They didn't really have, incense. <laughs> didn't really have an incense. It's essentially aromatherapy. Well, yeah. But, you know, they're calling it magic. It's, I'm not dumbing because it down. You've, got, producing you've, got, you've got, got some things. There's cross-scientific yeah. elements in there. You've got some things but, to say. You know, there's uh, some apparatus that you need, like my, my magic pendant that I wear every day. Oh, well, again, it's like the, you know, it's when you look at sociology that. and psychology and you sort of consider the ology part are they science well they're too subjective the same magic is just the sort of other side of it you know any kind of ritual or everyday sort of practice that you do how many people do you reckon have a ritual for going for a shit yeah you know they have to okay i've sat down i've got the paper out i've got my phone i've played a game or whatever it's quick and clean or i'm in and out or it takes a little bit of me time to get away from the family for a minute or what you know what i mean whatever it is anybody who wants to know more about magic and magic rituals um just in a general sense i will recommend to you two youtube channels one of them is damien eccles um who i've mentioned many times before on this podcast and the other is a YouTube channel called Angela Symposium. She is amazing. She knows so much. She's actually got like a, she's actually got a doctorate in magical studies. That's see, how can you be a scientist and a magician? Yeah, by <laughs> yeah, being she's, amazing. She's a bona fide like a court professor. She is it. She's amazing. It's a really good, and she delves into everything. And she, like she's so good, so informative, and a really nice video to watch as well. Very good. She does live shows as well, which is really cool. And Damien Eccles, um, we mentioned. Um, do you? Here's a good one for you. Do you remember who Damien Eccles is? No. So Damien Eccles was um, on Death Row. who is one of the West Memphis Three. Oh yeah, I do remember. I just framed, you know framed for the murder of three boys. I do recall. Yeah, because he, he practiced magic and he was into heavy metal. So instantly he's like, he's a devil worshipper. Yeah. And he was on death row for like... I found his story fascinating. Yeah. And so, yeah, now he's got his YouTube show, a YouTube channel where he talks about magic and it's really good. Really, really good. Oh, that's really, that's amazing. And not only has he managed to sort of carry this... Live. <laughs> ...negative stigma and, yeah, live, come out on top. Yeah, I've got... But he's now also able to spread a positive message with yeah, I've, negative I've got a couple... stigma, so it's kind of ironic. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, I've got a couple of his books. Um, one of them I've got on audio, uh, audiobook, and uh, he talked... It's really cool, like, listening to him talk about it, but in the intro to that, he talks about his time in prison and he talks about, like, how uh, practising magic and practicing witchcraft actually helped him get through the time in solitary confinement. You can't get out of prison unless you want to. That's a fact. I said, yeah, because he was in, he was put in solitary confinement for like sixteen years. That is, yeah, 
would have to find yourself if there's nothing else. As and as I said before, on the when I don't mean that just as a joke. That's quite good. Because we talked about them in the uh, Satanic Panic episode. Yeah, I do remember. Yeah, and um, yeah, like I said, there, like his time is has to wear special glasses now because his eyes are that fucked up. He, like any light, just screws him. No, he was definitely abused by the system like, in every way, shape, and form. Because he was innocent. All three of them were innocent. Well, yeah, the real concern. Let's not get into this again. I was actually talking about this the other day and I went on a massive rant. (laughs) I I, I guess what it's fucking disgusting. He's come out as a positive influence rather than some sort of actual cult leading madman. Like, I don't know. All three of them. I, I think anyone who doubted their innocence have been proven wrong by the way all three of them have acted since they come out. Because they have just gone right, it's behind us now. Let's it lives on. by example, yeah. Good. All people should. Very good. Right. So, third one. So, a man, a young Chinese man, who that this is a pseudonym. He's not. It's not his real name, but everyone's calling him uh, Xiao Chen. Uh, he's a 28-year-old man from Shenzhen. Obviously, I'm saying that wrong. It's in China. Now, this guy, he'd been suffering with severe headaches for like most of his life, ever since he could remember. And he had no idea what was causing these headaches. He went to doctors, he went to hospitals. Um, uh, yeah, and lately they've been getting more frequent and more severe. Uh, first, he thought that the pain was caused by his lack of, of sufficient sleep. Um, but then he, you know, he was getting lots of sleep and sleeping wasn't the answer. And the headaches kept him up at night as well. And then things got so bad that he decided to go to the hospital where they did an MRI scan. And do you know what they found? Tumor. No. Uh, parasite. No. Uh, bit of brain missing. Doctors at the Shenzhen University General Hospital discovered a strange object lodged in the left side of Xiao Chen's skull. Closer inspection revealed the small object to be da, 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 a fucking bullet. Oh, yeah, typical. I was going to hopefully, you know, Obviously, I'd try and make a distinction between the CCP and China, but the problem with propaganda is it's all filtered before it leaves the country. So all of a sudden, they've taken this story of they shot a guy and now he's fine and they're just giving him a bit more shit. Oh, oh, no. Do you want to know where the bullet came from? Where? So Chen remembered that when he was eight years old, it's been there for 20 years. Fucking hell. When he was eight years old, he and his brother were playing with an air gun at home uh, when the gun accidentally went off, shooting him in the side of the head. Now, he and his brother were afraid of being scolded by their parents, so they didn't say a thing, and the wound was covered up by his hair, so the parents couldn't really see it. Plus, the wound wasn't too painful, so he eventually forgot about it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, I retract everything. That's just insane. <laughs> Mad. Now, like, 
this guy is he's a legend, right? Because I I don't know if my parents know about this. My brother shot me with a BB gun, a BB plastic BB. Like this was a yeah, metal. My 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 brother shot me close range. Like in the I think it was yeah, in the in the stomach with a BB gun. Did you get that, that nasty red hole? Fucking hurt. Yes. That hurt, man. I was screaming. That the was... only difference between a BB and a bullet is the shape. Yeah. They're still going at the same velocity kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Maybe not the exact now, same now, they say it was an air gun. They say it was an air gun. Now, I've been around air guns, and they have, like, little metal pellets. Um, I think that's what this is. I've said like all I can, yeah. I mean, look, looking at the photo, it looks like one of these little sort of air gun pellets. Um, now, doctors told the 28 year old that he was lucky to be alive as the bullet was really close to the temple, but hadn't fully penetrated the skull or hit the brain. Um, yeah, it was scheduled for emergency surgery at the end of last month. And the 20 year old bullet, which measured about one centimeter in length and half a centimeter in diameter, was successfully removed. Sorry. Sorry. How big? <laughs> I know. One centimetre. I, I, I when you said metal pellets and BB guns, I was reminiscing over them being about 0.4 mils across tops. Yeah. Like, not yeah, big. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you could yeah. get maybe three on a fingernail. My dad, I remember my dad having a... An a centimetre is essentially the width of your fingernail. Yeah, I remember my dad had an air rifle when we were younger, um, and the pellets that he had for that were so small, tiny little things. But this one centimeter in length and half a centimeter in diameter. I haven't got my ruler. I have got a ruler here. Right. So hang on. I've got a Just ruler right in front of me. Think about that. Could help. Think about but, that maths for a minute. Those dimensions. You said one centimeter in length. And half a centimetre across. Yeah. So it's not round. It's a fucking bullet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's bad, isn't it? A whole centimetre. I mean, I was sitting there thinking he's got a one centimetre ball just wedged in his face. And he doesn't do anything about it. And then all of a sudden, like... Wait, it's longer than it is wider, so it can't be a sphere, which means... Oh, bullet. Yeah, yeah those yeah, kids would have got fucked by their parents. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Not literally, but, you know, absolutely <laughs> grounded and destroyed, you know, Definitely. like, taken apart. Getting messed up. But, yeah, that was, yeah... I, I really enjoyed reading that story. <laughs> that's amazing, though. And again, that's the one that replaced the Jedward story. As soon as I read that, I was like, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a lot more interesting. Because, yeah, like, the gist of the other one is Jed would think they've been stalked by aliens. Oh, wow. That is... The truth behind the story is Jed would haven't done anything for a while and they need to remind us that they exist. I don't like that, though, because they're forever burned into my retinas and memory. If you don't know who Jedward are, I'm jealous. Like, they're not even terrible people. They're just caricatures. And the problem with a caricature is it's like, oh, 
Yay. The twin sacks <laughs> again. Oh, look, they're the same. But they're <laughs> different. <laughs> it's a sitcom, but it's not funny. It's just awkward. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, so um yeah. Back to the uh the old thing of the uh third story being a little bit of a crazy one. Yeah. I think the yeah, twenty years though, twenty years. And he said like he's had these headaches for as long as he can remember. That's just the epitome of keep calm and carry on. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know I've got work tomorrow, but it doesn't matter that my head's bleeding, I'll just <laughs> wear a baseball cap today. <laughs> But I love the idea that for 20 years that his parents had no idea <laughs> that it's, the son would be shot in the head. I like, think it's an absolutely miraculous event that A, it didn't move and do damage yeah. while it was in there. Sally, he was eight years old. Like, when, you think about, when you think about how a person grows, he was eight years old. Yeah. Over 20 no. years, like everything shifted. The size of the bullet didn't change, but the size of the boy did. Hmm. So how much more of his skull did it bore away at? And how much, maybe great. it might not have damaged his brain, but it might have certainly tickled it on occasion. You know? yeah. <laughs> Hello, I'm a bullet, I'm here. What an incredible story. Yeah. I do like hearing stories like that when the person survives. It's like when we did the, uh, the yearly roundup. What was that, at the end of the year? The guy who... Uh, found himself in the mouth of a blue of a humpback whale yeah and like <laughs> are awesome. it, the, the worst yet funniest sort of outcome yeah, can you like, they survive and then they die from something innocuous or like yeah. completely arbitrary like oh and then with that story, were, though, it's, it's like you said it's like you said when we were talking about that story about the fi- the fishing boat that saw it happen yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh look at that whale did it just spit a man out <laughs> so what the fuck it's literally a once in a lifetime thing to see unless you try and engineer it and I wouldn't recommend getting eaten to hope you get spat back out yeah really really pleased that guy survived yeah amazing but yeah so that is the week rounded up Definitely a slower week. Yeah, there wasn't much out of this, but for I mean, obviously, like for normal news. Don't get me wrong, the stories are still good, but it's you know. For, yeah, for for weird news, it's not. It's been slow, man. It's slow. I'm starting to feel like there's the usual tricks as well. You know, there's always like, oh, someone got crazy off their face and saw aliens that one time, and you're like. Someone took a picture and it developed weird and it was aliens. Every single week when I prepare this the weekly roundup, there's always some fucking random celebrity saying, I've seen an alien. Every week. Every single week. The thing is, depending on context, everything or everyone could be an alien. You've just got to, like, alien to what? To where? To whom? In what context, you know? I'm an alien to you in terms of I have long hair and you don't anymore. You know? <laughs> uh, uh, you're an alien to me in terms of you can play musical instruments, whereas I have no idea. That's t- I, and then someone who's literally a fucking extraterrestrial is also an alien. 
<laughs> like, the terrestrials do play into our main topic for this week as well. Because this week, what are we talking about this week, Matt? Don't know. I forgot to check. Completely. <laughs> I forgot to check. I, I, I know. I checked it two weeks ago and one week ago, and then this time I was like, "Oh yeah, I forgot." <laughs> the Bermuda Triangle. Oh, yeah. I guess it's kind of a bit of a... The topic itself isn't that interesting. It's more the implications around... It's, yeah, it's the theories and the ideas. Um, yeah, and like yeah, I've already mentioned, one of the theories is that it's aliens. Well, we sort of covered it briefly on a couple of occasions as well. You know, uh, dimensional vortex, or was it the magnetic wobbly-woo, or whatever it was, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's um, so as a quick sort of. Uh, Is it Atlantis? <laughs> Sorry, uh, I'm not mocking the conspiracies, but some of them are just like it's like conspiracy bingo. Simulation going wrong again? No, it's not even that. It's like you've got a box tick of all the typical conspiracy theories, and some people just want to tick them all. That was it. And like, I oh, saw Jesus with the aliens yeah. and they were coming from space and the FBI were involved and NASA and everyone else and the like, lizard like and said, the goats. Like I've said so many times, <laughs> all many times aliens, extraterrestrials, it's the gaffer tape of conspiracy theories. Yeah. That's it. Is it holding up? No. Put some gaffer tape on it. That's it. Sprinkle it like dusting of aliens. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. Aliens of the gaffer tape of conspiracy theories. Uh, but yeah, so the Bermuda Triangle was once known as the Devil's Triangle. Uh, it's, an, according to Wikipedia, a loosely defined region in the western part of the North Atlantic Ocean. Now, the reason why this part is... So, the three points of the triangle are Florida, Bermuda and Puerto Rico. Yeah, so it's anywhere within that triangle, but not necessarily triangular shaped. Yeah, basically. Um, so the reason why this area is um, uh, so famous is because it's said to um, be the place where that like, number of aircraft and ships are said to, di- uh, to disappear under mysterious circumstances. Um, yeah, the Kraken's got to eat too, bro. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, the, the idea that this place is uniquely prone to disappearances um, arose in like the middle of the 20th century. But to be honest, there's a lot to dismiss the idea that there is actually any mystery. Yeah, I mean, again, back then, when we think about when this, so, you know, time travel. <laughs> All the way back. All the way back to the, what was it, the 15th century, yeah? 20th century. All right, so not that long ago then. We had only just sort of figured out the world and traveling and shit like that, and everyone was kind of winging it. And then the internet came along, and we were able to, you know, share maps and have everything, like, real time, and all of it was updated, and data was easy. I reckon there was just some fucking horrible weather conditions in that area or there was some sort of, you know, it could have been anything. It could have been like a, a 
tornado or something that pops up every now and again in the same sort of spot and then disappears just because nature intended it that way but because no one's around in the middle of the fucking ocean no one's ever going to see it well the earliest suggestion of like something unusual happening in that area um appeared it was on september the 17th 1950 uh in an article in the miami herald so what are we post World War Two tensions? Everyone's kind of paranoid. Cold War's sort of going on, but never sort of stopped, and it's going to get worse. But you know, exactly. So yeah, wartime tensions will make that a, a strategy-wise. I imagine that's quite a good location too. So everyone was fighting over it. You'd have to cross over it in a lot of different routes from land to land, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. If my mental map is correct. So the the first person to write about the Bermuda Triangle being mysterious was a man with the awesome name Edward Van Winkle Jones. Tell me his name is Edward Van Winkle hyphen Jones. There's no hyphen, man. There's no hyphen. I thought he was, you know, Van Winkleman and then just sort of got married once. Edward Van Winkle Jones. What a great name. Um, and yeah, and then two years after that, Fate magazine published an article called Sea Mystery at Our Back Door uh, by a guy named George Sand. And that, yeah, I know, you go from Edward Van Winkle Jones, George Sand. No, it's just a guy with the surname Sand, you know, at what point <laughs> in his life did he realise, yes, I truly am all about the sea? <laughs> It. So the article that he wrote um, covered the loss of several planes and ships, including the loss of Flight 19, which is a big, which is a big one, which we mentioned before. Yeah. Uh, but I'll go into it again in a bit. Um, or I can also do it now. I've mentioned it. Fuck it. Uh, so Flight 19 was um, a. It was how many was it? Five or six U.S. Uh, torpedo bombers uh, for the U.S. Navy on a training mission and they disappeared over the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, if you've so seen close encounters... Without needing to do any necessary sort of... With the context we've got before, what do you see as a general leading your army? You see, oh, the key assets are travelling from one location to another and we've got this information, let's blow them out of the fucking sky. Yeah, that's it. Um, If you've seen, um, anyone who's seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the planes that they find in the desert at the beginning of the film, that's Flight 19. Hmm. So, to another dimension, eh? Yeah. Uh, So, Sands' article, uh, it was the first to lay out the now familiar triangular area where the losses took place, as well as the first to suggest a supernatural element to the Flight 19 incident. Um, Flight 19 by, by itself um, would be covered again in 1962 in the American Legion magazine. Um, that's That was the next time Flight 19 was linked to the Bermuda Triangle. Um, that was a guy, Alan W. Eckert, who I actually really like. I've got one of his books and he's amazing. Um, he wrote that the flight leader had been heard saying, we are entering white water, nothing seems right. We don't know where we are. The water is green, no white. So lots of confusion going on there. 
Uh, and he also wrote, um, Eckert also wrote that officials at the Navy Board of Inquiry stated that the planes flew off to Mars. But that, Alan Eckert, when he wrote that, he did it, he wasn't suggesting that the planes went to another planet, he was just using it as a sort of globalism. Well, there's obviously two, sort. well, the most sort of cynical and grounded answer is that it was Cold War tension still. Uh, Russia and America were fighting and they were playing their propaganda games on the people. So, you know, what could be mysterious is actually just where they've been fighting recently and didn't want you to know about it because everything was all secrets and conspiracy back then. I mean, the Cold War literally was the first war of information, and it's the one that's still going. Yeah, that's it. Um, And then 1964 was a big year for Bermuda Triangle enthusiasts. Um, Vincent Gaddis wrote an article in um, the magazine The Argosy called The Deadly Bermuda Triangle, where he spoke about Flight 19 and other disappearances that happened in the same area. Um, as part of a pattern. And then he expanded his article into a book called Invisible Horizons, which I have in my room. Because <laughs> yeah. I love the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> um, so... I want it to be something cool and mysterious and natural and a bit more, like, enigmatic and wondrous, but I literally feel like it's just a war zone. Right, so let's go into the theories. So, Larry Cush, I think it's probably pronounced Cush or Couché, but I just, it's Cush. Um, he uh, wrote a book in 1975 called The Bermuda Triangle Mystery Solved. And he he's a sceptic. And he looked at a lot of the claims and a lot of things that people were saying. Um, and... He just basically said that they're all exaggerated, dubious, or unverifiable. His research revealed that there were tons of um, inaccuracies and inconsistencies with all of the different accounts. There wasn't anything that sort of linked to anyone else. There were all different accounts, Um, especially the statements from eyewitnesses and participants and others involved in the initial incidents. Uh, So, cut a long story short, um, this guy concluded that the actual cause of the disappearances there are, he's got six bullet points, six things that he suggested first one and this is to me the biggest one and that to me seems to be the most sort of truthful uh, the number of ships and aircraft reported missing in the area was not actually significantly greater, proportionally speaking, than any other part of the ocean. So it's not that more things go missing in the Bermuda Triangle, it's just it gets spoke about more. Yeah, well, that kind of should, according to statistics and trends and whatever factual analysis you want to use, trend it to being slightly higher just from people going there more and then waiting too long it's it's a very sad fact that ships sink planes crash people go missing 
if all of a sudden we're talking about one area where all this happens, then all of a sudden you're going to be right. Well, let's stay away from that area. All these stories are going to come off. There's, it's the same as uh, where every city, every town has that horrible area that everybody avoids. Do you know what I reckon it? Is. There's probably been one thing happening in that area yet that story stuck with everyone and then it gets exaggerated and more people start talking about all the things that have happened. Do you know what I reckon helps bring some logical feasibility to all of the sort of madness attached to it? What's that? It's a nuclear test site. That is one of the theories. And it could be radioactive as fuck. Yeah, that is one. But of not the... enough to sort of kill you, just enough to make you go batshit for a bit. It's like with um, uh, Bikini Atoll, where the French were doing all their nuclear blast testing. Well, when you think about Which it, right, site? how many nukes are there in, in the world? Do you know what I mean? Like, each of those has a test site to be fired in case, you know, yeah. they need to test it. Which... A side note, so where, well, so the Bikini Atoll, where lots of nuclear testing was done, um, right at the bottom, right on the seabed, do you know what that place is called? No. Bikini Bottom. Yeah. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. It's where SpongeBob set. I lived in a pineapple under the sea. The whole idea, the reason why these, um, like this sponge and these crabs and octopus and all these fish are like messed up and all humanized is because of the nuclear testing that's really interesting isn't that cool i don't is it true or is it <laughs> yeah yeah that's actually that, that was the idea behind it oh that's, that's good then how cool is that really cool i fucking love that i mean you know we don't really understand radiation we think we do but then more radiation happens and you know there are certain things like it's something we can't perceive it's the invisible threat right even things like chemotherapy as great as they are and they're still kind of new technologies and that's why cancer research can go so far and all of that like your microwave just melts shit it doesn't have like a only some waves can go through and some can't and we're going to filter it special no you put the right things in there (laughs) So, uh, so yeah. So the next point that uh, Larry Kirsch made was uh, in an area frequented by tropical cyclones, which it is, uh, the number of disappearances that did occur were, for the most part, neither disproportionate, unlikely, nor mysterious. Well, to be fair, you're not gonna. If you died at the Bermuda Triangle at sea and you were caught in a tropical cyclone, you're not gonna be found in the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> you're either going for a flight or for a swim yep um coach also mentioned that a lot of the writers uh, mainly the big writers that often get quoted about these things would often to fail um to mention that these storms or even represent the disappearances haven't happened in calm conditions when meteorological records clearly contradict this well, it is quite interesting that there's a place with such extreme weather conditions that may end up being man-made. We might have destroyed the ecosystem and therefore created it. Who knows? Um, the next thing you he said... You can't study the ocean, though, can you? Cause it's always fucking moving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just hold that bit of water there for a minute. No, don't let the fish leave. 
do we study that one? It's not in the triangle anymore. It was. But they all were. Oh. <laughs> so, um, numbers themselves have been exaggerated by sloppy research. So, this has been proven uh, by the fact that there were a number of boats that disappeared in the Bermuda Triangle. And those disappearances were reported. But a lot of these boats have actually returned intact, fully live crew, absolutely fine. It's just their machines got a bit out of whack. They just went off course and then they turned back. Those ships returning... Which can happen normally because those instruments are fucking delicate. Of course. Now, these uh, boats returning to port, they were not reported, but then disappearing were. Maybe that's confirmation bias of people who want to believe that it's mystical are just going to come up with any old shit. Oh, but they came back. I didn't see them, so they didn't. Maybe it's a lie. Maybe they came out of another dimension. You know what I mean? You could bullshit your way into it, honey. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, Well, some disappearances had, in fact, never happened. Uh, There was one plane crash was said to have taken place in 1937 off Daytona Beach in Florida in front of hundreds of witnesses, but a check of local papers, papers revealed nothing. And the last one, the legend of the Bermuda Triangle is a manufactured mystery perpetrated by writers who either purposely or unknowingly made use of misconceptions, faulty reasoning and sensationalism. Well, the fact that the minute you sort of say Bermuda Triangle, you have an idea of this mystical place in the ocean where weird shit happens. And there's all sorts of strange movies and whatever that depict it in different and creative ways. It's hard to then go, no, that's media. The fact is probably a lot less fun. Yeah, and throughout the decades, um, there's been lots of studies done and lots of people, skeptics, talking about, look, you know, it's just, there's actually nothing special about this place. It's all normal. And in 2013, um, the Worldwide Fund for Nature, who were previously known as the WWF, not the wrestlers, World uh, Wildlife Fund, previously. Yeah, yeah, they're now called the Worldwide Fund for Nature. That's yeah. now the name. Uh, they did it's a study. Wrestling, although I'd pay to see that. Yeah, them damn straight. As long as it's ethical, that's impossible. No, 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 no. If pandas aren't going to fuck to save their own species, let them fight. It's controversial yet bold. <laughs> That's me. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, so in 2013 they did a study that identified the world's ten most dangerous waters for shipping. And do you know what number the Bermuda Triangle was in in that top ten? Forty. Yeah, it wasn't in there. <laughs> yeah, no. At all. When but I yes, think the of the bin- most dangerous waters in the world, it's usually the stuff where just being there could kill you. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so there's been shitloads of um, counter arguments to say, look, you know, there's nothing special about it. It's not that it happens more; it's just it gets talked about more. I reckon that whole thing was just product of the Cold War. Like you've got, it's lit. If I'm correct in my geography, and I'm very not sure, but it's between Russia and America, right? So the idea yep. of yep. sort of having Out. it constantly like Cuba and all these island things that they had to rush to get nukes to and whatever else, they might, 
the triangle might have come from this sort of gap in their ability to monitor the world and sort of this blank spot, a back door, so to speak, that, oh no, there's Russians coming out of the triangle, shit. And then it caught on and one day they had to cover it up. So they bullshitted their way into this story about aliens or whatever to make it ridiculous. So that then when the Russians hear about the aliens coming out of the triangle, they're like, what? And they don't know that they're talking about them coming from a certain place and a ham because they haven't got the context to figure it. You know what I mean? It's just an information game back and forth and back and forth. And, back. and then someone fired a nuclear test and someone else was like, they tried to nuke us. And then they were like, we didn't mean it. And you know what I mean? But it's the Cold War. So anything goes, but anything doesn't go. Knives behind your back kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. so, Imagine uh, ultimate paranoia, but worldwide. Yes, basically what we're going through at the minute. Yeah. Well, you could argue we're still in the Cold War. Well, to get away from that, we've spoke about the non-believers. Shall we talk about some theories from some believers? Yeah. I really don't know how it could be fun, though. Okay, so, obviously, there's paranormal explanations. Oh, um, yeah, but aliens come, cuts out. Yeah, lots, uh, lots of writers have used a number of supernatural concepts to explain the events. They have a triangle-shaped ship at the bottom of the ocean, and, you know. Yeah, there was one, um, I'm just looking at a list at the moment, so um, there is a theory that it's um, the disappearances can be blamed on leftover technology from Atlantis. Um, and so you, hang on, can we get like a tally for how many, the conspiracy threshold level, so how many you already have to believe to start <laughs> considering this one? So this is conspiracy threshold level one. You have to, well, two, actually. You have to believe in Atlantis and then take it a step further and believe that they had superior technology for their time. And then you have to jump from that already massive plank out into the middle of nowhere into the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. The reason why people think this, so there is a submerged rock formation known as the Bimini Road, and that's off the island of Bimini in the Bahamas, uh, which is in the triangle, in some definitions of where the triangle is. Is that the one that they can only walk over, like, at a certain time of year, because otherwise it's covered in the ocean? Not too sure, to be honest. I only know about it because of this. Um... Yeah, so basically, I remember seeing a video where like the tide came out enough for people to walk over it, and it, it was still and they just all sort of piled over single file. Like, yeah, it's probably the place. Uh, so there's a guy who reckons he's psychic called Edgar Case, um, and he predicted that evidence of Atlantis would be found in 1968. So a lot of his followers. Um, said that what he was actually referring to was the discovery of the Bimini Road. No, I'm too embarrassed to admit my mistake, so let me try and find something to cling to. So people could, like they describe the formation as a road, wall, or other structure, but it is actually just of natural origin. It's just a naturally formed sort of wall of rock. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, we're babies in the universe. We haven't seen anything past our first 2,000 years. Uh, some hypothesize that a parallel universe exists within the Bermuda Triangle region. 
which causes a time-space warp that sucks the objects around it into a parallel universe. That would be so cool. <laughs> like, you know, let's completely jump ship on whether or not this is true, because it's obviously ridiculous, and just assume that this is fun. You could essentially use it as a plot device for anything. Do you remember, you know, the Mandela effect will literally happen because people will go to other dimensions to get shit, to come back, to then show you stuff that you thought was real, but now you don't know because it is real, but it's also not real in your universe, but it could be real in your universe because now you don't know which one was from your universe because they both exist in your universe. Exactly. And yeah, we've already mentioned UFOs as another theory. Uh, There's a few natural explanations that aren't in the crazy. Okay, this will be interesting. So, compass variations. Some Uh, magnetic phenomena. Yeah, so um, when people talk about a lot of the disappearances, they always talk about compass problems. uh, people do. There are people think that unusual local magnetic anomalies, like, could actually be a thing in that area. Um, but well, I mean, these slight, anomalies have actually been found. Well, slight tangent, slight sort of a deviation, but on topic. You know that uh, animals and various creatures have certain senses that we don't, right? And birds actually have something called magnetoception. Yeah, they can perceive magnetic fields, and that's how they know where north is to fly north every winter and fly south every, you know, so on and so forth. So the idea of there being something natural around there that could be perhaps disproportionate does make sense completely and logically. Like, there's no reason for there to be any fantastical nonsense to it. Yeah. It could even be, you know, true north and north aren't the same. So it could be, maybe that's where the deviation starts to occur. Could be it. Well, there's like true north, magnetic north, and then compass north. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, compasses, um, they just, they have natural magnetic variations anyway. Um, Yeah. To a certain degree of acceptability, that's how you know how good it comes. Four fucking centuries. Um, So yeah, it just says here like magnetic north, which is on the compass, and geographic north, which is true north, are exactly the same, only for a small number of places. Yeah, only for a small number of places. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, basically, and so. This idea is just basically the the thing that debunks this idea of compass variations is just basically the fact that the general public aren't that knowledgeable about these things. Well, I'd argue we don't really need compasses anymore because it's kind of like phasing out fire to get to heat, right? You know how we sort of used to have to warm ourselves with fire and that was sort of the pinnacle of evolution, how we got to being men was we started to learn tools and then we sort of made fire and cooked our food and that's how we ascended to this new level of whatever the fuck you want to call it (laughs) this is essentially the same like we've 
you know, we've gone past the fire to the heat, and now we have like ceramic heaters and water bottles and electronic things that just heat the place without the fire. Yeah. So you've already skipped the end result without the process in certain technological fields. What we're doing now is essentially sort of skipping the need for things like compasses and stuff because it's all on your phone. Yeah, I've got the, a compass on my phone as well. I use it when I, I have everything I could ever imagine and more on my phone. My phone has a spirit level. I'm only limited by what I can think of on my phone. That's kind of how scary it is. <laughs> yeah. If I can think, oh, I wonder if there's an app for that. There probably is an app for that and it will probably work. Things like TV remote, right? When was the last time you got an old fucking CRT infrared remote TV out? It's there. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you ever lose your remote, you can download an app on your phone to then have it be whatever brand of whatever remote you want it to be. And it will use the infrared port on your phone to do it. Yeah. It's fucking mad. You can do everything. It is crazy. Absolutely mad. Uh, so, yeah, the next natural explanation is the Gulf Stream. Um, obviously, a major service current. Yeah. And how we get our warm water. Yeah, yeah, it originates in the Gulf of Mexico and then flows through the Straits of Florida into the North Atlantic. Uh, it's basically a river within the ocean, is the way it describes it on this thing I'm reading. Well, yeah, but it moves, I mean, it's sort of a cyclical thing because the undercurrent pulls down the yeah. warm. Basically, small vessel. Push to the top. Yeah, a small vessel like a small plane that makes a water landing or a like small like normal everyday boat um, having engine trouble can be carried away by these, this yeah. stream. Uh, the next natural explanation is human error. <laughs> That's always an explanation for always. everything. Even if humans aren't involved. Boy, you doggone fucked up now. <laughs> yeah. That's it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, one of the most scientific explanations in official inquiries after the loss of any aircraft or vessel is human error. Uh, human stubbornness may have caused businessman Harvey Conover to lose his sailing yacht uh, as he sailed into the teeth of a storm south of Florida on January 1st, 1958. That's a sad story. But isn't sailed into the teeth of a storm one of the greatest fucking sentences you've ever heard? Yeah, I'm envisioning a hungry storm now with teeth and it's not pretty. We always think about storms having eyes but teeth. Well, technically, you know, if it's picking up all sorts of shit and spinning around really fast, it's like a giant blender. Yes. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, yeah, violent weather is the next one. So, yeah, hurricanes, are, obviously, we know what hurricanes are. Um, They're the windy ones, aren't they? Yeah. There was a sinking of a Spanish fleet in 1502. That was the first recorded instance, uh, instance sorry, of a destructive hurricane. Mate, in 1502, do you really think they were sitting there going, uh, did we sink a fleet? I don't know. Did we lose a fleet? I don't know. How do you know it sank? I was there. Yeah. We do know it sank. That's it. The only history people saw is the stuff they were able to walk away from. So the majority of um, Atlantic hurricanes pass through the Bermuda Triangle. Atlantic hurricanes. Sorry, I couldn't resist. 
No, Matt, no. But it could be from space. It could be from space. It's the simulation. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, a lot of, yeah, the majority of Atlantic hurricanes pass through the triangles that recurve off the eastern seaboard. Um, and yeah, before we had the sort of thing as weather satellites, ships often had little to no warning of a hurricane's approach. Um, a powerful downdraft of cold air was that's uh, suspected to be um, a cause in the sinking of the Pride of Baltimore in, in 1986. Well, I know there's some weird sort of phenomena with, um, you know, about dead water. Yes. So like how ships can get stuck in still water because the buoyancy is different or the density is different. So all of a sudden their engines don't move them anywhere they just splash the water about so uh, that could play a part in these mysterious disappearance oh yeah we just yeah. got stuck yeah. somewhere it was cold and then it was warm now this one it was new to me I've not heard this as an explanation before go on uh, methane hydrates oh that is a good one so Fuck. Yeah, so basically... So my, yeah. Underwater fart gas, sorry. Underwater fart gas. Whales farting, that's what's doing it. Well, it could be the Earth. It could be the Earth farting. It could be an underwater volcano that's making a sulfuric yeah. farting methane-smelling sort of thing. Yeah, so uh, basically um, some of the disappearances, um, some of the um, investigations into this, um, have focus on the presence of large fields of methane hydrates, uh, which is a form of natural gas, on the continental shelves. So there's been experiments done in labs in Australia, and they've proven that bubbles can actually sink a scale model ship by decreasing the density of the water. Huh. So that sort of goes hand in hand with the dead water thing, where, you know... Yeah, yeah. The exactly. gases are being released too quickly from the water and changing its density. Any wreckage that has uh, risen to the surface will be rapidly dispersed by the Gulf Stream. Yeah, but climate change isn't real, though, is it? That's a conspiracy, though, isn't it? I was making, I was saying this to a work colleague this evening as we were stood outside of the office before we went and started our shift, having a cigarette, talking about how beautiful the weather was today and how it wasn't really cold. And it was quite nice. It was quite warm. The sun was out. And so on Friday will be exactly 10 years since I moved to Brighton. One decade. <laughs> One decade. <clears throat> and I was looking at, last night I was looking at some photos from my first week in Brighton. And do you know what the biggest difference was? Apart from that, I was a little bit heavier and a lot bolder. Well, I'm guessing, you know, using intuition, because it was about the weather, it's the quality of the weather in the picture. It was snowing. There was snow everywhere when I moved here. I don't remember that year. Yeah, 2012. I've got photos of me and Bruno walking through Stanmore Park in the snow. Wait, I do remember. I was working at a nightclub, and I remember being out and getting coated into some pictures of my book face in the rare occasion. But uh, you know that wasn't normal, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, like 
when I get told about British weather, there's only two actual events in my lifetime that I have had at least secondhand experience in. And that was the the first one was the like a year after I was born or something. There was a massive storm in Burgess Hill Way and it brought down a bunch of trees and the phone network and all sorts and whatever else and did a bit of damage and changed a few things there. Cool. And then after I moved away from Lewis was when the floods happened. So all of that sort of changed and was like, basically, you know, when we talk about tsunamis, <laughs> that's our relatable experience. Oh, yeah, it was a burst bank of a river. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's the same, but it's really not. <laughs> well, I remember when um, I was working on Brighton Pier when we had the hurricane. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there was the big hurricane in the 80s. I wasn't here for that. Yeah, that's yes. the one I'm referring to, the yes. big storm. It was sort of like a all down, all of us little old sort of codgers hiding away. Oh no, the wind's was, getting yeah, heavy. There was the one that was a, that was a few years ago, and um, I want to say it's like five years ago, maybe seven or six years ago. It was a hurricane that was like ripping through France, and because of how close we are to France, we got the tail end of it. And that absolutely destroyed the beer. <laughs> yeah. It was ridiculous. I was working that day. We had to get people off. We had to evacuate. And they had people like complaining and arguing with me. I was like, get the fuck off. You're <laughs> going to die. Mate, I remember being <laughs> on the pier once and like this... I can walk on it now relatively confidently and say that it's relatively structurally sound. But there's been a couple of occasions where I found that loose board (laughs) and it scares the living shit out of you. (laughs) Because all of a sudden your existence flashes before your eyes. You're like, is this how I die? Falling from the pier. What I am about to say, this is such a rare occurrence, okay? I, I I spoke I worked on the pier for the majority of my time of living in Brighton. I was there every day, all day, every day, day, and I have seen two occasions of people actually like not falling through the floorboards, but like they found the weak floorboard. Yeah, it will crack or a bit they, of their leg might. They, yeah, that's they're strong enough that they won't just succumb and fall through. Are, Why do you think in my zombie plan it's my destination? Yeah, definitely. I'm going to fortify the pier into a giant fortress and then I'm going to either disconnect or blow up the part that connects to land. Yeah, it's a yeah, great plan. I'd always go to the pier as well. And then, with the power of technology... I'll get my booster rockets and I'll turn it into a boat <laughs> or a ship. That'd be amazing. <laughs> and then we'll capture the marina like a siege of Libertalia <laughs> against the zombies who are now in houseboats. Oh, so, well, when it comes to the mood of Triangle, I don't have anything else to say. Yeah, it's not, uh, I mean... We- it's We've the kind of thing where the there's just nothing concrete to go on. So you have to sort of accept everything as equally likely. I think, I think the skeptics win. 
uh, to be honest with you. But yeah, I just I I think and that if it was significant, it, something more significant would have happened. It's not that it like the experience has happened more there. It's just that the fact that it's spoke about more. Well, again, talk about any disappearance in the ocean. Like, okay, I was sailing from Britain to France, and then halfway my boat sank. I didn't just die there, and then, oh, it's instantly recorded, and you know what happened. No, my boat fucking caught a current and flowed wherever else until it ended up either bumping past with another boat or crashing into someone else's country. And they're like, where the fuck is this boat from? And then they have to go... Oi, is this your boat? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, they're not. It, you can't say with any sort of real precision where anything is in the ocean unless it's attached to the floor. Yeah. And even then, it might still move. It might. It might still move. Well, you know, you get a slight plate movement or something, and one plate sort of jiggles with another and it dislodges a piece of land that then moves a slight bit further south and then over 10, 20, 30 years you end up with a new island popping up. There was one thing, I can't remember who it was who wrote this um, which I didn't find on the thing, on what I've used for the research for this show Uh, but there was a theory that the Bermuda Triangle is actually over the top of a opening to the hollow earth i mean again that would be cool and it would explain why they sort of made it a scary place to go don't come knocking on our door because we don't exist you know standard bad guy regime it's why they put their secret bases in volcanoes right so no one could accidentally knock on the door yeah, the idea is that um, it's not just you know they're falling into the hollow earth it's they're being taken by the denizens of the of does that mean that mean the lizard men are actually mermaids? And that's the missing link. The deep ones, mate, it's Lovecraft. Oh no. The Kraken, he's the hollow earth. Because he just eats everything. Pops up, Bermuda Triangle, no, that's just how far his tentacles reach. If he can swipe you, you're done. You might get lucky and just sail through. You might get unlucky and get numbed. And you'll disappear because no one will fucking know, which means they won't be able to attribute your death as a disappearance in the Bermuda Triangle because no one fucking saw you go anywhere. You just <laughs> didn't come back. I'm mentioning the Kraken. I'm going to get my next uh, bit of Ant Fox artwork next week. The Kraken attacking Brian Pierre. Can't wait. Yeah. Um, I genuinely think there are some seriously scary sea creatures out there that we just haven't oh, got course. any way of measuring. Of course, and there's always there was one of the stories that I saw um, uh, uh, when I was looking up the weekly roundup. Um, there's a new type of worm has been discovered in the ocean. Yeah, there's going to be all sorts because it's now a world away from the world. Like if you think of the Earth and you split it in two, there's those of the land who all interact with each other and can do that, and those of the sea. And those of the sea are isolated from those of the land because we can't go that deep without dying. This new this new species of worm has got one head and countless bodies. It's weird. What? Oh, it's a reverse hydra. <laughs> it's really tiny. Well, worms technically have a head on both ends, don't they? Um, kind of, yeah. It, they can 
kind of if you cut a worm in half it can regrow two worms kind of not not really the brain is only in one part of it yeah but then it has this sort of residual effect it's like when you um it's like when you behead a chicken and the body i guess what i'm trying to say is how many of those legs are sort of like necessary and how many are just there to like survive like the pressure is so insane that they'd have the only things that can survive in deep ocean are things that are either really squishy like jellyfish or that kind of thing yeah. that can just take the pressure and not give a shit no, you know the blobfish or things that are made of stone <laughs> and are huge so yeah you know the blobfish yes always gets referred to as the ugliest like creature on the planet it just looks sad yeah well do you know when they're actually in that's, they only look like that when you take them out of their habitat. Yeah. When they're actually down at the bottom, because they live in the deep depths. And they are actually, they look like normal fish when they're down there because of the pressure. Yeah. Like, anything that we pull up is not going to be the same and not going to be in this natural environment. No, and because of climate change as well, a lot of these deep sea creatures are coming more to the surface. So yeah actually discovering a lot more species but we know about abyssal gigantism so jeff, i'm curious as to what jeff, jeff the shadow person's back hello jeff <laughs> hello shadow man yeah abyssal gigantism alone in and of itself is a phenomenon not to mention all the rest that compound into it but just the idea of shit getting unnecessarily massive in the deep dark depths of the ocean because they don't need sight they don't need sound they don't need any of that they just need instinct yeah yeah it's mad isn't it and like yeah lots more lots more spe- deep sea species now being discovered maybe the, the squids yeah. are the aliens and that's where they like meet up once a year in Bermuda saying this for years well they technically are aliens because they're unlike anything else on the planet. They're amazing. Octopus, Octopus. Well, when you think about all the sort of evolutionary groups, you can kind of see who's related to who and who got what traits from where and how they interlink. And, you know, where did we get our forms from? Arms and legs. Well, we know that they resemble monkeys and their behaviours. And so that's how we've built our evolution tree, right? Where the fuck do octopuses come from? <laughs> They're not like super jellyfish because they're actually alive and sentient and jellyfish are just kind of... Yeah, they have the relative intelligence of a toddler. Yeah, well, I'd argue some of them are smarter because they've got the... Again, this is where things like abyssal gigantism come in. If an octopus could survive on the very bottom of the ocean and then come to land and survive being on land, it can transcend the two dimensions. I can never say this properly. There's the prehistoric fish. Oh, the... Wait, uh... Coelacanth. Coelacanth, that's the one. Um, So, you know, there's been a school of them discovered recently. Probably. They've been believed to be... to have been extinct for, like, all these these years. And it was either last year or the year before there was a school of of these coelacanth fish that have been discovered in the ocean. Well, the funniest thing about all of these super rare and whatever species is 
I'd say about 80% of people that find this super rare species will have money on their mind. Yeah, definitely. So, um, the minute you a, find it, it's dead, basically. Yeah, there was a... Do you think coelacanth scales are going to go anywhere where they're not highly priced for something? Yeah, of course. Definitely. It's sick, but it's truthful. Yeah. There was a cave in, I think it was in the Middle East... Um, they didn't know this cave was there. It was basically, it's behind a big stone wall and it fell through and there was a cave in the back and there were creatures that have been believed to be extinct for years and new creatures that they didn't know existed. Yeah. It would have been like its own little ecosystem without that, humans. It was like, yeah, like that sinkhole that you told me about a few weeks ago. Yeah. There's so many cool sort of places like that. And to be well, honest... The fact we can still discover these things as well is amazing. Well, it shows us how much of a negative impact we actually have with all this rapid growth. And it's not all about growth and expansion. We can just say, no, this is good. Yeah, yeah. let's just keep things as they are for a bit. <coughs> not it's even for a bit. bit. Just It's about, re- like, sitting there sort of endlessly. Think about building a company, right? Treat Treat the world as your sort of... Uh, where you get your resources from you know it's your bank it's also your farm it's also your uh, it exists as like an introspective ecosystem kind of dependent on each other if you start fucking with it to the extent where you then can't make ends meet you know if the farm's lands are tilled to such an extent that there's nothing fucking left they can't grow anymore or you're growing at capacity yeah like you're just digging a dead hole you need to have already sorted the problem before you meet the problem itself it's madness man i was taught about climate change when i was fucking 11 years old that was 20 years ago. It's important that people know about it, and so, so many people don't. It's insulting, I mean, though, that it's taken us 20 years and we're still asking whether it's fucking real. I was joking, by the way, earlier, in case anyone in the audience yeah. didn't get that. I know, you know, humor's an odd topic, but obviously... Could it, I mean, I mean, could... To even deny it at this point just is ridicule, because not only are you turning around then cherry-picking what science you do and don't use just to win arguments more, but then when the actual science is presented, it's being dismissed as fake science, and yet all science is fucking just science. crazy man well we've got a tangent away from the Bermuda Triangle but shall we just say climate change causes disappearances in the Bermuda Triangle well I mean it could very well (laughs) the thing is think about the world a hundred years thousand years ten thousand years from now if you're able to look back at the events of all this hindsight would be so fucking easy but you're going to see something akin to a lot of people fucking with that area in a lot of different ways and it naturally doing something to try not to be fucked with because mother nature's not a bitch it doesn't just do as it's told if you start abusing the shit out of it it goes oh well i won't make those there anymore then. yeah That's <laughs> you know you start mining up all the ore and the diamonds or whatever and it's like no there's none left 
what do you mean? You're supposed to provide for us, Mother Nature. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> Fucking greedy pricks. <laughs> oh, but it's Look for me, my wife and children so that we can eat all of our potatoes every year, all year round. No, you farmed way too much, mate. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but... Uh, and then we'll take to the stars. Maybe not yet. I like I'm it. Fuck no, I don't want to do that. I want to see the... Well, to be honest, I think the more likely scenario is we're all just sitting here one day recording a podcast. And then, you know, everything's quite innocuous and all of a sudden it goes quiet because everybody died. Mm-hmm.